Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Now Leonard, down the sideline. Leonard's got great wheels. Riley Leonard inside the 20. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Leonard has to scramble. And on that ankle, just grits his teeth. Look at this run. Leonard gets the pass off. He's got Calhoun. Wow, no way. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSPT. Side run for Leonard, He's able to break a tackle and get the first down and more. Leonard inside the 20, stiff arms and a fender inside the 5 and into the end zone. It's a touchdown. Leonard keeps this time. It's like he has butter on his jersey. 27 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com. And on our free WSBT radio app, I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can check out his work as well as the rest of the staff at blueandgold.com, covering Notre Dame football and all of Notre Dame athletics. And they're all revved up. They have their tape recorders and phones charged, ready to go for spring practice conversations and interviews, which will be starting in a very, very short time. Tyler, good to be with you. How are you today? I'm great. And now that you mentioned that we actually get to watch some football practice and talk to these guys about what they'll be doing this year, I'm uh, I'm even better. Pretty excited about that. <laughs> End of next week, I believe. That's the first time that we see these guys and get to talk to Marcus Freeman at the end of next week. There's a lot of buzz around this program. It'll be fun to see the guys buzzing around the practice field here at the University of Notre Dame. Tyler, I want to ask you about your continued series with Jack Sobel, focusing on all the games that Riley Leonard played as the starting quarterback at Duke. You guys are well into breaking down this film and offering thoughts on what Riley Leonard could mean to this fighting Irish offense. Now that you're well into this, what do you feel like you've learned about Riley Leonard? Yeah, four more games left. I just want to let everyone know that if you go to blueandgold.com right now, you can see, I guess that would be 17 of his 21 career starts that he had at Duke. We're going to finish. Uh, the plan is the last four starting tomorrow on Tuesday and then through the end of the week, Friday. So we'll be done with all of the games by the end of the week. Um, so, yeah, we pretty much learned everything that there is to know about this guy because the next four games are going to be marred by that injury Um that he's, or I guess three of the last four there, uh, the injury that he suffered against, ironically, Notre Dame, Howard Cross with the hit there late in that game. Uh, Up until now, though, I see a guy that has a lot of talent, but someone who kind of needs to channel that talent a little better. And what I mean by that is he clearly has a really good arm, a nice arm, but he still misses some throws that leave you scratching your head. Uh, And then there's some some decision-making issues that work against him. I see a guy that is a little over-reliance on his legs sometimes, um, and that doesn't allow him to get all the way through his reads. Um, 
just in the last game that I did, uh, and mind you, it was I think it was a 24-point win for Duke, so he played really well in it, but he didn't throw any touchdown passes. And there was one particular pass that would have been a touchdown pass had he just thrown the ball to a receiver, I believe running a corner route. Guy was wide open, and Leonard did not throw him the ball. Instead, uh, I think he picked up four yards on the ground, and that's just not a good trade-off. I mean, you like a guy that can get you – four yards every single time he runs the ball. And he is that I'm not quite sure what he's averaging for his career, but I mean, the dude turns two yard losses into 12 yard gains pretty routinely. So that average starts stacking up, but you need to take those touchdowns that are there. So that was just one example of that, but there's smaller examples too. say it's a third and five and he takes off and only gets two yards with his leg. Whereas if he would have thrown to the guy that was open or had confidence in himself, to make a, you know, sort of a leading pass, throw your receiver open type of pass attempt, maybe Duke picks up that first down. So a lot of potential, but there's definitely some, uh, some ways that he could be better. I've had this conversation, Tyler, with a couple of Notre Dame football media members, and I, I just want to bring it up to you, and I know you can't speak for the Irish fan base, but you hear from them. It's been a really interesting offseason, even just with Twitter questions that I post involving Riley Leonard. There seems to be some hesitance from the fan base to be all in on what he might be able to do. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's just buyer beware after Sam Hartman came to Notre Dame and that fairy tale ending did not happen. Then I thought, well, maybe it's because when people think of quarterbacks, they think of throwing the football and throwing for over 3,000 yards. And Riley just isn't that type of guy as you've listened and read to Irish fans do you sense the same thing that there is a little buyer beware right now it's not like they don't like Riley Leonard it's just after last year everyone's a little hesitant to be doing somersaults yeah and that's none of his own doing not his fault but that is a big reason why that it is the case and I have sensed the same exact thing um you know it's like a fool me once fool me twice type of deal. I think Notre Dame fans don't want to be fooled twice. Uh, but it's one thing to just to, cause I've seen some people just flat out say that he's not going to be any good uh, because he can't throw the football or anything like that. I, I think those things are a little outlandish. And, and I'm not going to compare him directly to Jaden Daniels, who just won the Heisman Trophy because no. he had a phenomenal year. But go back two years ago, and that's why I think we've said this before and um, definitely have said it at blueandgold.com. I wish Notre Dame had two years of Riley Leonard because I think 2025 yeah. could be just phenomenal for him. But he's only got one year of eligibility left. This is it. Um, I think a two-year Mike Denbrock project at Notre Dame, he, he would be phenomenal in that year. So I don't think Riley Leonard is going to make Heisman Trophy type of jump that Jaden Daniels made because Daniels got those two years at LSU. But Daniels was still way better last year uh, in 2022 than he was as the guy at Arizona State who was just kind of a raw, very unfinished product. I think Mike Denprock gets his hands on this guy for a year, can make him a lot better. I think you do see more of a passing game with Riley Leonard. Is he going to throw for 3,000 yards? I'm not sure. Um, but, but I think that he could throw for 2,500 and maybe still get those 1,000 rushing yards. Like I think he can be a 3,500-yard uh, guy on offense so if you if that's going to be the case I think you sign up for that right away so there definitely is some hesitancy to say that he's going to be you know the savior of this Notre Dame offense and that's because of what happened last year a little bit and because of what I just said in my first answer to your first question 
he does get a little over-reliant on his legs, and I think that will come back to bite. If he can get that coached out of him or just kind of mature out of that on his own or combination of that, then I think he could very much be in line to have the best season of his college career in, in his last season. Blueandgold.com's Tyler Horka is my guest. What is your reaction to new offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock kind of giving us a little inside information that there may not be as much 12 and 13 personnel with multiple tight ends on the field this year compared to the past couple of years? Not saying it's not going to happen, but Tyler, it sure seems like we're going to see a lot more multi-wide receiver sets. Yeah, that was music to my ears. So I think I've described this before, but the way that they do these interview sessions at Notre Dame, Denbrock will speak to print-only reporters upstairs, and that's where I get him for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then he'll go downstairs and talk to the video side people for however long that takes. And I was with him the entire time upstairs, and we really didn't get into the you know exact personnel groupings and X's and O's like that. So when I went downstairs and someone asked them about that, I was actually taking photos of him because we needed those for blueandgold.com online. We didn't have anything of him since he was here last time, and, and those are a little outdated at this point. So I was taking photos, and I started listening to him talk about this uh, 11 personnel versus 12 and 13 and whatnot. And I mean, I looked away from the camera. My ears perked up, and I was like, <laughs> oh, this is different. Uh, I think this guy means business. And, I, and my takeaway was I think he knows what he's talking about because that's modern football. Like, And I used the example – and one of the articles that I wrote over the weekend after this media availability was look at what, you know, Logan Diggs did at LSU with, um, with Den Brock leading the way. Like he, he ran for a really good average and they didn't run him a whole lot. Like he didn't run Audrick Estime amount of times. He didn't run 200 times, but when he did run it, he was successful. And I compare that to Dylan Johnson at Washington. That's a spread offense. Michael Penix was operating in the spread offense, which is what Riley Leonard is going to be operating in. And you have all these different wide receivers on the field at the same time. You look at Dylan Johnson's numbers, and you will take those for a running back every single time. So I think what you're going to get is uh, a good balance still. And when Notre Dame decides to run the ball, it's not going to be up the gut uh, into a loaded box because things are going to be a little more spread out, and that's going to be advantageous to Notre Dame. So, And I think what – kind of encapsulates all this was this was back when I was upstairs Denbrock did say the way he's better as an offensive coordinator now is he's not as prone to literally he said word for word banging my head against the wall and doing something for the sake of thinking that I have to do it he's going to find ways to to do the same things but just do them a little differently and I think that's what 11 personnel is going to be to Notre Dame because just like he said 11 personnel is a little bit different for a team that has been very known for lining up in 12 and 13 and, and even 14 at times. I don't think you're going to see as much 14, uh, four tight ends <laughs> on the field with Mike Denbrock. Hey, the good news is you can spread the field with multiple wide receivers and still run the football extremely well. The yeah. Irish have some really good blocking wide receivers. So just because you're going to lose some of that 12-13 personnel that we saw so much they can still run the football very very effectively which might lead into my next question maybe could be wrong but with spring practice right around the corner I'm wondering if you had the opportunity to spend a few days at only one position group you wanted to see position battle or maybe you just wanted to see excellence at work whatever the case may be which position group are you going to spend time with 
Darren, you've been doing this for a while, haven't you? Because what I would call that right there was a perfect segue. And you're you're going to say offensive line, I think. <laughs> uh, not, no? not quite. Okay. For those listening, for those listening at home, I had not told Darren the answer to this question. He literally told me ten minutes ago, "Hey, I'm going to ask you this." Uh, for me, Darren, it's running back. Okay. Because I mentioned that we that Notre Dame did just lose Audric Estime and. I want to see if it's Jeremiah Love or Jadarian Price because I think that both of those guys have potential to be running back uh, one. And it's going to be interesting to me to see if Mike Denbrock goes by committee or he chooses one of those guys. Like, I think a lot of people are interested to see, you know, who kind of emerges there as the go-to guy or if there are two go-to guys, which I think is very possible. Uh, And then, yeah, obviously what matters just as much is who they're running behind. And Notre Dame just lost – uh, effectively three of its starting offensive linemen from last season, including the two bookend tackles who are both going to hear their names called in the NFL draft. Joe Alt maybe going to hear his name called ahead of about 250 people or whatever it might be. Like he's going to go very early on. So that that's going to be big time in, in finding out who's going to re- replace those guys. So yeah, that's kind of two birds, one stone there. I, I hope they give us a lot of uh, 11 on 11 or, you know, scrimmage type scenarios that we're watching because, I'll be looking at both the running backs and the offensive line. You're probably going to get a lot of 13 personnel just for spite, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, what did you learn from the new linebacker coach, Max Bulla, listening to him speak the other day? He got into some particulars about how the linebacking core might look this year. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that he's so raw as a speaker, and I loved it. You can tell that this guy has only been a position coach for one year, and and like you said, he he kind of said whatever, and he wasn't afraid to hide anything because look, it's it's the end of February. You're not really, you know, showing your hand, so to speak. You know, will he get a little bit more buttoned up as we get closer to August? Probably, but right now he was he was just kind of spitballing. And basically, what he, what I took away from personnel in the linebacker core through what he was saying was Jack Kaiser's a, a mainstay. He's a staple, and you're probably going to see him play um, some middle linebacker. Uh, obviously J.D. Bertrand's not here. He's been doing that for the last three years pretty much without fail. And you're going to see – well, I guess the last two because um, Drew White was still here a couple of years ago in 2021. But, I mean, J.D. Bertrand played a lot of middle linebacker for Notre Dame the last couple of seasons. I think you see Jack Kaiser kind of fill in there. But I think they really like when Jack Kaiser, who's, you know, as Bulla was saying, Max Bulla, um, he was saying Kaiser's a little smaller and we like using him as – uh, a rover when we have three linebackers on the field and obviously as a weak side linebacker without Maris Leofau in the fold as well. So I think you're going to see him kind of rotate all over the place. He, he's kind of the Swiss army knife of that group. He can play all the different positions. Some of the other guys are going to have to be a little pigeonholed. Jaden Osbury, for example, you're never going to see him play uh, the middle of the field, but you're going to see him play a lot of rover and, and a lot of weak side. Drake Bowen's another guy who, who might be taking after Jack Kaiser and kind of playing all over the place. So, what I'm interested there is, you know, when, when Notre Dame is in nickel, because more and more that is becoming this, they don't, they're going to say that they're a 4-3 defense, but basically this is a 4-2-5. You've got five defensive backs on the field pretty much all the time in this Notre Dame defense. Who are those two linebackers? Because they're in for the entire year. It was J.D. Bertrand and it was Maris Fleafau. I put a story up today at blueandgold.com. Bertrand played 80% of the snaps that Notre Dame had defensively last year, Leofau played 73. And then you drop down to, I think, Jalen Sneed was the third most used linebacker, and he played less than one-fourth of the snaps. So is he ready to play 
70% of the snaps? Are you going to have to use a by-committee approach and maybe bump him up to 40 and 50 and, and Drake Bowen is sitting around that 40 to 50 mark as well? How much do you use Jaden Osbury? Um, outside of Jack Kaiser, it is a very inexperienced mm-hmm. linebackers group, and I'm very intrigued to see kind of who emerges and, and who takes the majority of these reps. How dynamic of a lacrosse player is wide receiver Jordan Faison? <laughs> He's awesome, man. I just I, I literally watched the entire game yesterday just to see if he was going to score, and he did. And he, he probably should have had two goals. He had a move that was even better than the spin move that he scored on, where he just kind of – the spin move was nice, and you may see him break out a spin move or two on the football field. But the move that he made before that, and he shot the ball just a little bit high, didn't end up scoring – was just like a little slip move, which is exactly what you see in the slot if you're lined up across from uh, a linebacker or obviously a nickel corner. You just kind of use your quickness and slip by him really quickly. He did that on the lacrosse field, which I guess we shouldn't be surprised by because he was one of the best lacrosse recruits in the country. But he's not just good on that field. He's good on the football field. The guy, the guy is just a complete athlete, and I, I think, I mean, he, he might be one of Notre Dame's best wide receivers this fall, which is – I don't. It says a lot about him. Um, I don't know how much it says about the other guys, but like, they need to be looking to him and saying, "Okay, this guy just came into the fold and is already as good as us or better than us." Like, let's use him as an example. We we could be this good too because if everyone takes the Jordan Faison approach, and not everyone's going to be that fast overnight. He's got God-given talent, but I mean, he works hard as well. And I, I think the Notre Dame wide receivers can kind of learn a thing or two from him. Kind of honestly mold their games around his. Mm. We're talking Notre Dame football and everything right now with Tyler Horker from blueandgold.com. One more thing I want to get to. 23-4 and Virginia Tech is coming to Purcell Pavilion Thursday night to take on the Fighting Irish women's basketball team. And this is a squad playing as well as anybody in the country, not named South Carolina. And I think Elizabeth Kitley is their 6'6 All-American forward. The problem is, Tyler, with Notre Dame women's basketball, they just have some issues along the front line. How difficult is it going to be for Notre Dame to deal with a 6'6 All-American post player down low from Virginia Tech? Very, 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 very. And that's what I'm going to ask Neil Ivey when we get to talk to her before this game, which I believe will be on Wednesday just how do you stop her or how do you slow her down? Like, what can you do? And obviously, Niel's not going to give me all her trade secrets, but I don't know if she has enough trade secrets in the bag to stop Kitley because nobody's really done it all year. She's so consistent. I believe she's averaging around 23 points per game, 15 rebounds per game. I mean, she just she gets that pretty much every single night. And when she's not getting that, she's probably getting more than that. I believe they just knocked off North Carolina – yesterday to clinch a share for, uh, of the ACC regular season title. And Kitley had 34 points. I mean, was just unstoppable in that game. And that's a North Carolina team that came in here to South Bend and beat Notre Dame uh, last month. So it, it's going to be a tough task. They're going to have to play their best game of the season. I mean, they're going to have to be better than they were at UConn in that game. And, and obviously they were phenomenal. But Kitley even has something that those Huskies don't have is just the, the, the dominant post presence that obviously this Notre Dame team is lacking right now as well. So uh, the matchup is just not favorable. Uh, You just want to, if you're Notre Dame in that game, go out, play as well as you can, keep it close. If somehow, you know, everything's going in your favor on that night, you're at home. Um, Virginia's tech has won 
10 basketball games in a row and you can't, you can't win them all. And like you said, unless you're South Carolina, but even South Carolina got tripped up last year after going for an undefeated season. So in basketball, you do lose at some point. If you're Notre Dame, you just have to hope that the one time in the very, very few amount of times that Virginia Tech is going to lose this year uh, happens to be this Thursday night in South Bend. What should I expect in the coming days when I go to blueandgold.com? Yeah, like I said at the beginning of all this, the Riley Leonard series is going to finish this week. Uh, I believe the Notre Dame game, if you're interested in that and, and kind of looking back at how Riley did against Notre Dame, that'll be on Wednesday. And then obviously there's three other games to go on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. NFL Combine is this week. Notre Dame has, I believe, what is a record amount of players that they've sent? I'm, I'm not sure on that, but eight is twice as many as they sent last year. So a lot of interest there in Indianapolis. Jack Sobel is going to be there the entire time. I might uh, meet up with him down there for the weekend session on Friday and Saturday. So we're going to have you covered from Indy, going to have you covered on uh, the Riley Leonard stuff, like I was saying. And then uh, next week when you guys tune into blueandgold.com, you're going to be seeing some spring football preview stuff because, like I said, this is firing up here um, pretty early next month. So it, it is a – there's no off season at blueandgold.com, Darren. It's no. uh, it's a 365 day business for us, and we got everything covered there. Always enjoy the visit. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, talk to you then. Thanks, Darren. Thank you so much. He is Tyler Horka. Check him out at blueandgold.com. The Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. 5:54 is our time. Twitter question of the day results from Friday on the way, plus today's question centers around NBC removing Jack Collinsworth from the broadcast booth. We'll give you the exact question, how to vote on this particular Twitter question of the day in just a moment. Budweiser's weekday sports beat at 554, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 